longest month for rap in a decade. The king of pop reincarnated against his will as October's very own shatters the streaming ceiling. This is Rap Planet. trying to figure out the positives and the negatives of the midnight release. The past month, I stayed up almost every Thursday night, counting down the minutes until 12 a.m. Friday. I felt like a kid waiting for Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. The positives of the first go-around listen in a slightly sleepy state. Yay, Nasir, then Daytona. The negatives, KOD and Scorpion. Yes, I realize J. Cole's album dropped in April, but with so many people comparing it to the albums of June, I might as well just toss it in the ring. The most rewarding of all these intense countdowns so far from me has no question been Ye. I followed all the steps to make sure I enjoyed it in its entirety with no hiccups, unlike some of the later releases from what I'm calling Good Summer. Media reported just hours before its release that the live listening party would be on the app Wave, so I downloaded that, knowing I'd probably never use it for anything else except for this, around 11 o'clock that night. I got comfortable in a quiet place, laid down, and plugged my headphones in. I typically like to have a little ritual before each of these solo listening parties. This was it. This would be the moment that would make me forget about the life of Pablo, which to me could have just been a mixtape, and force me to reminisce about Backpack Yay. Maybe I was getting ahead of myself. Either way, the celebrities started piling in around the massive bonfire in the Wyoming wilderness. The eclectic cast included a towering two chains, actor Jonah Hill, Comedian Chris Rock, who led a brief but fitting opening set to start off the experience on a hilarious note. This was a moment for weeks prior I told myself I wouldn't take part in. The damaging TMZ tirade, the MAGA-wearing hats. I treated the situation almost like Lent, which I practiced growing up as a kid going to church. I wanted to test my temptation, but ultimately, the sinner I am now gave in like the album was chocolate. I was ashamed and embarrassed after publicizing my criticism of my favorite artist to friends and even co-workers. Kanye's latest album might not have cleared the air on all of his controversial statements or even had any real direction, but to me it just felt like the solid album I've been wanting from him since graduation. Being from Virginia, I of course praised the first in these entirely EA produced album drops, Pusha T's Daytona. It's the favorite among critics and flexes the stripped down lyrical powers that make the ex coke slinger so great but it's the last track on the album that ultimately led to the clapback diss track that stopped time. Of course, I'm talking about the story of Added On, targeting Drake and exposing his son. Without it, some of the deepest cuts from the double-sided Scorpion wouldn't exist. But before we dive into the latest stuffy offering from the Six God and the records it's already broken, let's focus on the most exciting part of the entire project. track worth talking about from Scorpion, it's something we should all still be talking about. What makes Drake's posthumous feature from Michael Jackson even more impactful is the fact that it was released just a few days after the late pop star died almost 10 years ago. The deal was made possible thanks to Canada's Paul Anka, who opened the vaults on some sessions with MJ that were recorded way back in 1983. At first listen, I didn't appreciate it enough as I should have because I was experiencing it during that midnight window. I was too skeptical and felt that 
recovered MJ vocals just seemed randomly pieced together around the booming production by 40 in 1985. This is a reoccurring theme for me, though, the critical and judgy attitude towards projects of artists that can never be. I'm working on it. But albums of any genre are best when they can be listened to over and over again, and you're able to catch things you might have missed the first time around. With Scorpion, there's very little to miss, with what seems like almost half of the tracks being about Drake's forbidden son. When I went back to Don't Matter to Me late Friday afternoon, I felt completely different. You have to step back and appreciate what 40 in 1985 did to rework these vocals into a full-fledged Drake song. He knew he had to sacrifice himself on this track, giving fans the expected R&B vibes they love him for, while giving the main stage to the king of pop on the chorus. To no surprise, not everyone is for the feature. The internet is still, a week later, seemingly divided. In typical TMZ fashion, a camera was thrown in Michael Jackson's nephew's face after Scorpion hit streaming services capturing his thoughts on the collaboration. Austin Brown could be seen saying he's, quote, not okay with it, and says if he didn't finish it, you shouldn't use it about the unreleased vocals. This isn't the first time MJ's unreleased work has been featured. Four years ago, Justin Timberlake forced another never-before-heard track into a duet called Love Never Felt So Good. In my mind, that was a poor example of a posthumous feature, and JT mostly still made the song about himself rather than MJ where Drake gave the late icon more breathing room to let his powerful vocals wash over you. Now, let's talk about the Scorpion numbers. It took Drake just three days to break the one-week streaming record in the U.S. previously held by Post Malone's Beer Bongs and Bentleys. Billboard reports 435 million people streamed Scorpion's 25 songs through July 1st alone. Those numbers are expected to almost double by the end of today. Nielsen is set to release the totals July 8th, and after that we'll know if Drake got his 8th Billboard 200 chart topper in the bag. Looking at the bigger picture, Drake's success ahead of Scorpion completely changed how Billboard is even considering what rules the charts. The company made changes with the album in mind to give greater focus on paid streams as opposed to streams from people using free accounts. Drake is the driving force of Apple Music, and that's why it's streamed there first, while Spotify users had to wait a few hours to get their hands on the project. But the rollout of the album on Spotify was a little too much for some users, like one who posted to the services community board, threatening to cancel their subscription because of the overhaul of advertisements. Basically, even a week later, it's still Drake or Die on every music platform. And why not? You know you're going to listen. But is the album as a whole actually good? I made a post earlier this week on Facebook stating the tracks I'd include if Scorpion got the seven-track album treatment. These are the songs that made the cut. Number one, the Mariah Carey sampling, Emotionless. My favorite Drake is the Drake that raps over old-school, pitched-up vocal sampling beats. Number two, God's Plan. It's engraved into our brains to a point where we're almost numb to it thanks to the radio, but it's a great banger everyone can enjoy with an even better video to accompany it. Was it, in my mind, incredibly corny? Yes, this video also came out the same week the video for Kendrick, J-Rock, and Future's Kinks Dead, which is my opinion, the hardest video of the year. Go rewatch that if you have the time. At number three, we have eight out of 10. I skipped I'm Upset because that song is trash, made for artists like Migos to rap over. At number four, we have Sandra's Rose. Drake apparently wrote this one within hours of getting the beat from the legendary DJ Premier. It's another example of lyrics you'd expect about fame impacting Drake's lifestyle, but everything just works so perfectly. This might be my favorite song from Scorpion, 
other than don't matter to me. At five, the crowd-pleasing nice for what? For the ladies. Six, don't matter to me. And at number seven, March 14th, where we find Drake in his most raw form yet, admitting his flaws and struggles with fatherhood. We got a bunch of tracks talking about his son, but this is for sure the one where Drake lies everything out on the line, comparing his situation to his own parents. Do we need an entire B-side full of what seem like throwaway tracks flexing his so-so R&B singing to convey the feelings expressed on the A-side? Absolutely not. Some other favorites that didn't make the list are Survival, Mob Ties, Jaded, and In My Feelings. That's enough about Drake. It's hunting season. I couldn't believe the hours that followed Tentacion's death. People on social media were acting like Tupac just died. X was only 20 years old when he was shot and killed at a motorsports store in his home state of Florida. The Sunshine State is full of unique artists on the cuff of coming out of the underground like Denzel Curry. In an interview with Montreality earlier this year, Curry revealed he used to live with X and often had to step in to keep him out of trouble. He told Montreality this about X. Anybody who's portrayed as the abuser is the abused. Really, you're just a hurt child on the inside. If you're a fan of the genre, you know about the disturbing allegations surrounding X. Back in September, more details came into the public eye. A police report allegedly stated X punched his pregnant girlfriend, quote, to where both eyes became shut and the victim could not see, end quote. The pattern of violent crimes and rap is something that won't change or get a Me Too movement in the foreseeable future. When Spotify threatened to pull X's music because of the allegations against him, Kendrick threatened to take down his own albums in retaliation simply because they were only allegations. As a Kendrick supporter, this was a tough pill to swallow. I'm not sure why he felt like he had to step in to protect someone who likely should have been behind bars. Nevertheless, X opened doors to young fans that might have never gotten into rap simply because of his genre-bending abilities. The same day X died, Pittsburgh's Jimmy Wapo was also shot and killed. He was only a year older than X. His hit Elm Street easily inspired Kendrick's humble, with similarly hard piano hits and a trappy drum beat in the background. Pittsburgh police say they found Wapo and another man shot inside a car in the middle of the street that made the rapper famous. Wapo later died in the hospital. Two weeks later, another rapper lost his life in a shooting outside of a Toronto nightclub, 22-year-old Smoke Dog. For some reason, this is the one that upset me the most. The first time I heard Trap House, I was immediately reminded of a young Chief Keef. Smoke's unforgiving flow on the track showed me he had so much potential. While he never put out any official albums, I feel like with more focus and attention from Drake, he could have been a huge success. He also had a certain swag to him that was infectious. All of these shootings are separate incidents, but they all had one thing in common. All three victims were young black men using music as a way out. From violence, from stereotype, for respect, and for family. Oh.